I'm back now for the second part of our study in Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Here's the point of what I'm presenting today. While Christians are members of the Lord's Church, the body of Christ, we are not just passengers in a vehicle who are passive with assurance that we will arrive at the good destination. In this part of the Ephesian letter, there is urgent instruction about the manner of life we must be committed to, and that should be active and visible in us day after day. Let's listen again to the part of this that we covered this morning. This is in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm starting at verse 17. Paul said to the Ephesians and for us, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, in this particular session, I want to just continue. So I'm going to read now from Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. Keep listening. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So, let's continue our study into this passage. First, I want us to look at the prohibition in verse 30, and we will key off of that into the rest of the text. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Generally, it should be my steadfast desire to not cause grief for anybody. When I was a child, I didn't want to grieve my parents though that good intention was set aside sometimes. I did not want to create any grief for my wife. I do not want to create any grief for my brethren. You do not want to cause any grief for your family or friends. Generally, we do not want to cause anyone any grief. Now, move higher. 
Most important, the Christians should want to never, ever grieve God. Never think, say, or do anything that would provoke grief in heaven. The Holy Spirit, for example, here through Ephesians, is teaching us how to live. In whatever way we choose to ignore or violate what the Holy Spirit calls to be written, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If my heart is right, I want to avoid that. So we'll use that to take us into the other parts of the text. There is one more point of this I want to bring up. Notice with each statement here, there is some accompanying motivational phrase, and I'll point that out as we move through the passage. Verse 25, Ephesians 4, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. The mind and mouth of a Christian should be committed to truth, therefore opposed to lying. Opportunities come up to lie. Our impulse of character should be to resist all such opportunities, to refuse to be untruthful in any way. If lying was a problem in our past or is a problem in our present, to avoid causing grief to the Holy Spirit, our commitment ought to be to give up lying and speak the truth. The motive phrase here is, for we are members of one another. One of the motivations for us to deal honestly with each other is, we are members of the same body. We are kin to each other as Christians. And in such relationships, honesty is fundamental and healthy. One of the easiest things to do is to give in to the temptation to lie perhaps with intentions that may at first sound morally valuable. God's moral law everywhere and for every person from the beginning has required honesty, telling the truth. Lying is not an acceptable method or resource ever, and with every lie we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Look also at this phrase, be angry and do not sin. Let's recognize the obvious, that anger contained and controlled is a natural response. God has his wrath, and Jesus was angry with the religious leaders who had so deceived the people. For us, the problem is not anger itself, but anger undisciplined, uncontrolled, that leads to sin. And so the admonition of the Holy Spirit through Paul is, be angry, but do not sin. And that calls for discipline, control, restraint, that God's Word is able to build within us. Restraint we can develop and nurture through our contact with the Word of God. As we become good students of Bible curriculum of character. We are able to develop restraint so that anger does not lead to sin. Knowing if anger does lead to sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, 
Here's what will help us. Follow this rule. Take care of it before sundown. Where did I get that idea? Right here in verse 12. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Prompt resolution of issues or conflict is always to be preferred by the Christian. Jesus said, agree with your adversary quickly. Now, there's another part of this to be well considered in verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. We don't want to give the devil any advantage. It is spiritually deadly to play into the hands of the tempter. Unresolved, lingering anger gives opportunity to the devil. One translation says, do not give the devil a foothold. Motivation to avoid sinful anger. It gives the devil a foothold. We don't want to do that. Verse 28 here in Ephesians 4. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. There has always been in the moral law of God the requirement that we respect others and their property, and so theft has never been right. Work has always been the ethic that enables a man to provide for himself and help others. So this is the Christian's commitment, the Christian's ethic. Simply put, don't steal work. Stealing not only defrauds the victim, it not only puts the thief and others at risk, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God. When we depart from legitimate means of gain to pilfer, beg, rob, steal, loot, we grieve the Holy Spirit, discourage others, and exemplify laziness. Motivation is given here also to give him who has need. This addresses the individual Christian and states the motive for his working. Primary is not just to have something, but to have something to share. Generosity, I will add, 1 Thessalonians 4.11, Paul urging believers to work with their own hands. He also used this same language of his own efforts to avoid being a burden to others. Every effort should be made by the Christian to work and to avoid being a drain or a burden on others. Verse 29, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. My daddy used to say, Every time you open your mouth, you reveal what kind of person you are. Well, that wasn't original with Daddy, but it was repeated over and over, and it became necessary for me to remember it over and over. Just as grace has been shown to us from heaven and received by us through the activity of faith, grace should be imparted by us when we speak. Otherwise, we grieve the Holy Spirit. 
who has revealed to us the message of salvation sealed with the promises of God. That which is crude, foul, suggestive, impure, and inappropriate should be disciplined out of our heads and never reach the tongue. Only the Word of God has the power to bring this discipline to pass. The word corrupt or unwholesome in verse 29 is used of spoiled fish or rotten fruit. It connotes foul or bad. Our words today might be obscene or impure. Good commentary on this is found in James chapter 3. Verse 31, this moves mostly now to the interior. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. If what is inside us, if what is inside us even before external expression, if what is inside us is out of harmony with the will of God, just that internal content grieves the Holy Spirit of God. This is about the seething inner thoughts, the negative emotional patterns that move around in our head often finding expression in evil speech and containing malice or coldness, evil intention. The result of this inner content is an absence of peace, ruining your relationships with people and, of course, worst of all, grieving the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us through direct instruction, example, inference, command, prohibition, over and over, that if we don't let the Word of God in to control our thoughts, there are destructive and eternally fatal external results. Now this ends on a positive in verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. This sounds like what many of us heard in Bible classes when we were children. Be kind. Paul is writing to the members of the church in Ephesus, and this was and is intended for us today. Our treatment of one another should be characterized by simple kindness. This doesn't grieve the Holy Spirit. No, this is heaven's pleasure to be tender-hearted to be forgiving, knowing that we have been forgiven by God. The key here is to adopt attitudes that please God and reject attitudes and behaviors that grieve the Holy Spirit. This is beautifully simple, very easy to grasp, but don't let the simplicity of this cause you to dismiss the importance of this text. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share 
with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. So here's what we've done with these two sermons today. We have observed early in Ephesians a theme of God's work or God's plan that resulted in the coming of Christ, a plan formed in the mind of God before the world began. And as that plan became reality in time, people who respond to Christ enter into the body of Christ, the church of Christ. But it isn't like a ride in a vehicle where you are inactive, just a passenger watching the scenery. This text we have studied in Ephesians 4 shows responsibility and challenge and calling and activity and duty to be new people in keeping with our calling. Indeed, in Ephesians 4 and verse 1, Paul says we are to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Thank you for your good attention to our study of God's Word. We are the Laurel Heights Church of Christ in McAllen, Texas. Please share our videos and our recordings. Thank you.